Wars. Episode 0033. Enemy at the gates versus the feudalists. Run, run, run. As strategically as you can, you cannot catch me. I'm the strategically running man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 0033 of the Movie Wars podcast. I don't bargain. This is your host, Kyle. Podcasting. Why don't you podcast me up a cup of coffee and a chocolate donut with some of those little sprinkles on top while you're podcasting. I'm Drew. Not too stupid after all. That's what I've written down as my quote. <laughs> all three of us did a Tommy Lee Jones quote. <laughs> did Tommy Lee win this podcast? Yeah, I think he I did. I don't remember the context of that, but I wrote down not too yeah. stupid after all. And if you're wondering as a listener why we don't remember, we had this podcast schedule. Stuff came up. We pushed it two weeks. We yeah. couldn't remember. Like, what movies are we doing again? So I had to do like a speed run. I was like fast yeah. forwarding to the high points. Oh, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yeah, Will Smith. Harrison Ford. Is he the president in this one? Enemy no. at the Gates versus the feudalist. The figurative. (laughs) The illusionist. But we are doing Enemy of the State versus the Fugitive. What a fun matchup. Uh, It was interesting revisiting Enemy of the State. We'll get to this later. It didn't, this may be the weirdest aged film experience we've had for me personally on the podcast. It's aged the worst to me, and I'll get into that later in terms of my first watch when I was younger to my rewatch. But we got a couple of movies here, a couple of unskilled people, people undeserving of being chased around and being accused of the wrong thing, but they do it. They get accused of something (laughs) or they find themselves in the wrong situation and they have to run. One from the uh, the NSA, the National Security Association, National sure. Security Administration. The National Association of Volunteers for Security. The NSA. <laughs> yes, and yeah. it is a volunteer no. thing. If you want to chase people down and film them yeah. and yeah, you just no volunteer. No one wants to get paid for that shit anymore. That's ris- me? risky. Totally. And then, so yeah, and they are running, ladies and gentlemen. But we also, another interesting common thread between these two, we've been talking about how like interesting duos, acting wise, make movies really interesting. Both of these movies had duos, but they were separated. Tommy Lee mm. Jones and Harrison Ford didn't have a lot of screen time. And then Gene Hackman and Will Smith also didn't really come together until the end of the movie. So we mm-hmm. had these interesting duos, but they're not on the same screen a lot. Um, so I did think it was interesting. Still a couple of great duos here in both yeah. movies, one better than the other. And we will get to that. Well, if there's a lesson to be learned from these two films, it's that you don't have to do it together to be a duo. Just let that sink in for a minute. And isn't it weird how it takes two to be a duo? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it takes two. It'd be really cool if like you could just redefine the word duo and make it three or four, but you mm-hmm. can't because well, it means what it fucking means. But, um, you know, and what else is interesting, these films, you know, obviously the, the link is we paired them, right, because they have common threads, but this is Harrison Ford. I'm not saying at the end, right, he's still a legend. He would still do Air Force One four years later, but he's got the majority of the 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 bulk of what we consider great Star Wars and great Indiana Jones films mm-hmm. behind him. Yeah, the Jack Ryan movies are good, but I would say they're third in his stack rank of recurring characters behind the other two. Would you agree? Yep. And then oh, Blade Runner is like a... That's a classic that's like Addendum. a different character. Yeah. Well, he did go on to do 2049 with Ryan Gosling, which was a sequel. But Will Smith, on the other hand, is kind of in his early curve. You know, he yes, he had done Men in Black. He had done Independence Day, but he was still, he had done Bad Boys with Michael Bay, but he was still really deep in comedy. And Tony Scott talks about this in the commentary. He was pulling him out of comedy. This was his first attempt at drama. And as we said in the, in the prep for the show, it kind of shows a little bit. <laughs> but it this does. was, yeah, but this is his first stab at drama. So we have one person kind of that's had the excellent career behind him and then Will Smith would eventually obviously go on to the to win the Oscar and smack Chris Rock in the face.
face. Uh, I was wondering if we were going <laughs> to. You had to bring that up. We yeah. have to bring it up. I'm sorry. I'm a comedian. That part's getting deleted. I don't get by offended by a lot. Oh, how dare we're you? We're going to go through this whole podcast and not discuss Will Smith putting his wife in his motherfucking mouth or whatever. He, I put. I mean, you guys put your wife in your mouth, right? I mean, why was? Why is that a problem? <laughs> yeah, we get it, Will Smith. We get it. But yeah, we got a couple of you know, and uh, but Will Smith would go on one hell of a run. Uh, so after Enemy of the State, Wild Wild West, Legend of Bagger Vance, which kind of I think was his foray into say, okay, drama, I can do drama. And then he would go do Ali, Men in Black 2. Then he did all the sequels, Bad Boy 2. And eventually he would get to iRobot. I am uh, Legend. Hitch in 2005. I say, the peak of his career. Dude, Hitch Hit, was yeah. great. That yeah, was a fun it was. movie. Uh, and that was, that was a nice callback because it was kind of like post-drama, adding comedy back to his repertoire. Pursuit of Happiness was that, also stellar. That came out the next year after Hitch. Then I Am Legend, Hancock, Seven Pounds. There was a time, and I heard, I've heard this, uh, you can't you know, fact check me on this, but there was a stint there. I think around the Pursuit of Happiness, Hitch moments, he kind of had like a, a moment and he was one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. Good I mean, looking him. at this, he'd have to be. These movies all were, these like, movies were all bangers. Like an A++ superstar. Well, he also got to the point where, I'm trying to think, like, I think The Rock is a modern equivalent where, like, if he's doing a movie, it's going to make millions. Like, they're, it's going to do well. And so. Yeah, that's a good point. Will Smith was like, if Will Smith's in it, people were going to the Only theaters. difference is, The Rock has never been on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I thought you meant the movie The Rock that the we Rock. just covered, like, three episodes. <laughs> I was, like, trying to track with you, and I didn't know what we the hell you were talking about. We call him Dwayne Johnson now because The Rock is just, that's his past. I was like, oh, he's just like Nicolas Cage in The Rock? <laughs> that it. was when he was an actor who pretended to fight. Now he's an actor who pretends to do other things. These synapses just fire so fast. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm a little off today, my doctor told me three weeks ago I can't eat red meat, I can't eat gluten, I can't eat eggs, I can't eat almonds, and I can't eat cow milk products. So we'll be replacing our hosts yeah. soon with somebody who can do all those things. I came in here dragging the four... <laughs> Your the, brain should be popping right now. Well, what are you kind talking of about? And, uh, you know, it's funny, too, at the director level, I'll close the intro with this. Tony Scott is interesting. He's one of the most interesting directors to me because he's Ridley Scott's brother and often overlooked because I don't think he quite ever... Top Gun, I think you could argue, is in the echelon. But after Top Gun, he did a lot of great films, but he probably could never get in the same echelon as Alien and some of the other movies Ridley Scott did. But Tony Scott eventually became a guy who did very heavily saturated imagery. A lot of those Denzel movies he did have a lot of like deep colors. It's almost like he was messing with the chrome, like the mm -hmm. chromatic, you know, images. He, he became known for that before he was very raw with Top Gun, very kind of straightforward filmmaking. So this movie to me, Enemy of the State, was kind of his foray. And then we have Andrew Davis, whose biggest thing was uh, Under Siege with Steven Seagal. So we have two directors finding their footing here and their in their new ways. And uh, yeah, what do you think? The Fugitive, I've seen several times over the years. I've always loved The Fugitive. I'm a big Harrison Ford fan. Uh, truthfully, I always think this is a Tom Clancy movie every time I watch it and I have to remember, oh, this is not one of his Jack Ryan entries. But it's just so well paced. Like, what a great just action romp. So much fun. Does not take itself seriously. I mean, does take itself seriously. Never, like, there's no silly one-liners. It's very well done and, and super just knows what it just is. Just dialed in, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, and yet, Tommy Lee Jones demonstrates demonstrates such genius comedic delivery with all of his lines that I'm just like, how does, how is this movie balancing this? Because on one hand, you have this doctor who is like, you know, falsely accused for killing his wife, and yet he's such a good man, and he's helping people along the way, and you're pulling for him. Mm -hmm. But then, and then at the same token, Tommy Lee Jones is hysterical, and you're pulling for him because you understand his set of motives and what he's out to try to do. He doesn't care. It's yeah. just, a, it's brilliant. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's doing his wife. job. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. That's I don't that care. And that line sums it up so beautifully <laughs> of what the audience is feeling. It's like, yes, that's that like culminated in what the audience feels.
feels. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Enemy of the enemy. What is it? Enemy, enemy of the, the state. state. Enemy at the gate. Enemy, no, enemy, <laughs> enemy of the spades. It's another poker movie. This is the sequel to Rounders. Enemy of the state was to me. It was like trying to say something about government surveillance and like, I, but I didn't really quite know what it was saying. Like, is it pro? I was trying to figure out what political party each character was. <laughs> it. Like, I couldn't figure it out because it. I feel like in a lot of ways the party system has kind of flipped in some ways over the years. So it's. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure it out and like you know timeline and all, but um, it's also aged really well in a lot of ways. Like with that kind of in mind, with you know as tech has increased, like that's sort of it's still a relevant topic. Will Smith, I I love Will Smith in general. I didn't think this was one of his best performances. It seemed like there wasn't a lot to do with that part. I think in his defense, but it was just a little just dude who doesn't really know what's going on the whole time. So it was kind of like I, that's not what I want from Will Smith when I go to a Will Smith movie. And Hackman was amazing, but I needed more of him too. Like yes. he didn't come in. He, you don't. Even, I don't even think you see him until maybe the last. I don't know. It's well it feels over like halfway seven, in, three quarters of the way. Yeah. In. Yeah. It's very strange. So anyway, it's fine. It's it's. Mm-hmm. This is a good matchup for obvious reasons. It's fugitive. Great film. Seen it many times. Saw it again for this podcast. Even and enjoyed it this time also. <laughs> <laughs> as well. And Very mean, interesting. As well, such as. In, uh, Insights from heaven right enemy, now. <laughs> enemy, I mean, yeah, Drew put it the, put it great. I mean, I don't really disagree with anything he said. I love it when he tees it up for me so I could say a few things and just move on to my And typical. you're really maximizing the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm just saying but nothing what were your here. Impressions? Just the such same. as, you know, Enemy of the State, that was an interesting watch for me because I had seen it in the 90s and throughout the 2000s when it came out. It was a favorite of mine. Like, I went into this matchup like, man, I can't wait to watch Enemy of the State again. It's been like 15 plus years. And as I was watching it, I was like, this movie is really disjointed. I mean, I did didn't not enjoy it. Like I still enjoyed it because it's like it's got that '90s vibe, and and there's really nothing like a '90s action film. They they just kind of had that underdog thing going, but it it just didn't land for me this time around. And I don't know if it's I've been just you know pinky out with the teacup in my hand because of this podcast, watching all these great movies that we've watched. And You've that one grown, man. Kind of fell short. Yeah. You've I grown. think it could be because it feels like David Fincher karaoke a little bit because Fincher yes. is very like stylized music video, like lots of filter and editing and choppy, you know, static, mm-hmm. whatever. And there was a lot of that kind of mm-hmm. vibe going on, but it wasn't as good. Well, think about it. We just covered Tony Scott in the last podcast with Crimson Tide. Think about the jump. Yeah, that's the rough part, Think man. about the change. Yeah, what is he doing? It's he, like he's, he... All of his movies from here on at Deja Vu he with watched Denzel seven Washington. He and was like, yeah, I'm going to try to do that. He became someone that yeah. was really trying to go for vivid imagery, but not like shocking like Fincher, but saturated colors and crazy cuts and then lots the, of frames. And the Wachowskis came along and did it way better like two years later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That anyway. said, it's like the movie has good bones. I, I liked what it was trying to do and I liked where it was going, but I just feel like that same story has been told better. I mean, that said, it, it's still a really interesting movie and it was huge when it came out because I think the idea of the government watching you or anything watching you in 1997, I think is when this movie came out, was a really foreign concept to a lot of people. So that might really be why this movie hit so hard was because the subject matter was really thought provoking at the time. But if you watch it in 2022 with that subject matter no longer thought-provoking because we invite cameras into our house that have been proven to turn on 
gone on their own. There have been multiple class action lawsuits about it. And the same with microphones and, you know, Alexas and HomePods and all those things. We, we've basically invited this stuff into our house. So the idea of people bucking legislation, because I think at the beginning of the movie, the, the senator uh, that they end up killing is like, well, I'm not going to sign off on letting a camera into every home in America or something. I'm like, dude, <laughs> motherfucker, we got cameras in every home in America and around them and, and in cars and everything. So like, I think the gravity of what they were trying to say in Enemy of the State just doesn't land anymore because whether or not we know it, we're all essentially okay with what that movie's trying to say is bad. Mm. I think that takes away from it a lot and it and it just makes it kind of an inconsequential watch at this point. But I just, I, the thing that hit me the hardest about Enemy of the State was how much I thought it was amazing when it first came out and how it didn't land for me this time around. And I think that's just more a reflection on us as a people and how we've changed more so than the movie itself. Man, Phil, you said, a, I mean, you said a lot of what I wanted to say. I was so excited when we picked this matchup and I still am. It's still a really fun matchup, but I was excited to rewatch it again because I remembered loving it. I put it back on and I realized I'm thinking to myself of all the movies we've covered on this podcast, it's the worst aging experience I've had. So meaning it has aged the worst of all the movies we've covered. Uh, part of that might be because I have a technology background and at the time, like you're right, like we probably looked at it, oh, surveillance, that's weird. That's what conspiracy theorists think people are watching this. But now like I'm going to repeat a joke I made on the Total Recall Minority Report podcast, but the, one of the biggest, you know, kind of inside jokes in the tech industry is like, what's the biggest lie on the internet? I accept these terms and conditions. Yeah. That's the biggest lie because we just involve, we voluntarily invite surveillance. I listened to this interview with this PhD in, in cybersecurity saying that Google is basically the most high powered surveillance device software ever made. We've just kind of accepted that we are being surveilled at all times. And it's, it's yes, the government's doing what enemy of the state says, but in our personal lives, it's like private tech enterprises or to, to have a Facebook account. With our permission, technically, yeah. at this point. Yeah, to use Facebook. You sign a box, you click the box, I accept terms yeah. and conditions. You're not reading the 50,000 pages. And what's pages. the new rhetoric societally? Yeah. I've got nothing to hide. Yeah. So it's like we've accepted this and we're like, well, mm -hmm. I don't care if they listen to me. I got nothing to hide. The Fugitive. I thought it was cheesy as a kid. Since then, I have grown an extreme fondness for Tommy Lee Jones. Thank you, Coen Brothers. Thank you, No Country for Old Men. That's where I really fell in love with him. He shines here. Mm -hmm. He's not a stand-up comedian, but good. he is a comedian in this movie. His timing is fantastic. Hysterical. He's hysterical. I, I got to thank Drew for this. Drew doesn't really keep a list like I do, but you would, you've said if you did make a list, you're pretty sure Harrison Ford would be for sure. near top the top, five. if yeah. not the top. I didn't really understand, but since we started this podcast, I've got real deep into Star Wars. Harrison, As you should. We've covered Harrison Ford a couple of times now. I freaking love this man. He's just so good. He has a thing. He has an aura. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's got a voice. He's just, he's sexy. I'm, you know, I'm straight, but he's so sexy. <laughs> you know, I love it. <laughs> you know why? It's because I just think he doesn't give a shit. It's funny, like the, you know, the hard to get vibe that, you know, humans love to chase. Like Harrison Ford, I think stopped giving a shit a long time ago. You know, It's true. It doesn't feel like he's trying to be like an actor's actor. It doesn't feel like he's trying to be a movie star. It doesn't feel like he's trying to do anything. He's yeah. just Harrison Ford. Just is. Yeah. Just, and that's why they keep calling him. In The Fugitive, there were some nice touches in it. Like you said, like he would help people. Like my favorite part is when he needs to be escaping, but he can't help but be a doctor and help the patient. He does that twice in the movie. And I, I love, those were nice little touches. And I was like, mm -hmm. I like that. That that's Character like, building. Yeah. Some very low key character development. So anyway, I love The Fugitive. Enemy State, still fun. Didn't age as well, but The Fugitive ended up aging up. I used to think it was cheesy. Now I'm like, can't wait to watch it again. I yeah. loved it. There's so. still trains or L's or whatever. There are still people with prosthetics. I mean, that movie aged flawlessly. Well, I think the, yeah, I mean, you can make a case. I think Enemy of the State has aged well in the sense that the themes and questions that they're asking are still very relevant. We're still asking the same 
same. Obviously, the tech is it's insane. Like there's not, but you know, it's it's still very relevant. The Fugitive, you could make a case that it's like the judicial system has failed, and like the the legal system that's still super relevant. You could kind of make a case that this is a statement on big pharma, the medical field, and like there's something there. If you if you if you want to see it, it's there. So yeah, both these movies I think still feel relevant. It's just the way they're presented. Because again, and we've had this conversation many times. You can't really do the Fugitive remake. You know it's where true. he's at in 2022. Like you can't just hide and you're like listening for a train bell in the distance. Like he's, you know what I mean? Like cell phones change everything. People would see like film him on Twitter and post it and like you know exactly. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there would be a lot of memes. You know, look at the guy that killed They've his wife. They both aged well in some ways and poorly in others. It's weird how things do that. You know, one thing you can't run away from Patreon. <laughs> You know what hasn't aged well? Yeah. <laughs> is our Patreon. <laughs> we need some help. Yeah. <laughs> no one is contributing, mostly because... What was the thing I told you that I had an ad this time around that I was really stoked about and I can't remember? That was like nine weeks ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you went to California. We forgot what movies we were covering. Yeah. You can't run away from the Patreon, though. No, we can't. Whether you're a doctor or a lawyer, they're going to get you. Listen, and you're unqualified to escape. I'm just you can't escape. scrolling back through our text messages. You can't escape the fact that we need your money. We're not desperate, but we are... In deep need of your money. We only have eight children among the three of us. Yes. <laughs> they all need new shoes. And I'm pretty sure I'm already helping my eight-year-old son's file for an LLC to start his own plumbing company because I know I can't send him to college in these conditions. I just posted, guys, I just posted an interview with Mel Gibson's stuntman, the man that invented the Mick rig that made The Fast and Furious was going to be a cheesy green screen movie. He is the reason why Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, they could all ride in a movie. You can't get that unless you're a patron of our Patreon. I got Mick Rogers interviews. Steve Byrne, who's fixing to release his fifth comedy special on Amazon interviewed him. He did that here in Franklin, Tennessee. You get exclusive. I'm doing deep dives, retrospectives. I just released Casino and The Rock. So movies, if you want a deeper dive, you want to hear it talked about the movie wars way, that is on our Patreon. So go to the link in the episode. You can find the link on our TikTok, on our Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, all of the pages. You can find the link and you can support us, support our children, send them to college so my son doesn't have to plumb. Is that the verb? To plumb? I mean, it could be depending on what you're trying to describe there. I don't know. To plumber. Did you find it? I did. Okay, what is it? So here's the problem. This better be good. It's not. It isn't good. None of my Patreon ads are. This one, this one is even worse. But you know, if you don't support us, you'll have to listen to ads like this. Have you taken a mouth swab for life insurance? Did your mouth subsequently seize up, rendering you unable to speak for days or even weeks? Call Schweikert, Schweikert, and Schweikert for your free estimate on how much it'll cost to get you a twenty dollars settlement. You fucking bitch. <laughs> Anyway, if you don't want to have a mouth swab, support the Patreon. Yeah, if you don't want to hear about me talking about mouth swab class action lawsuits. Randos. You're going to love this one, Drew. Uh, randos. The- randos. Randolph to those uh, we goes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice callback, man. You're going to love this one as a Harrison Ford fan. The studio was so displeased that Harrison Ford had a beard for the first half of the movie. They're, at the what? time, it's changed. I think what this is What the fuck's he supposed to shave off then? Exactly. Well, they, they at the time, they're like, leading men don't wear beards. This is how oh, old school the studio on. was. They were like, and I, I think- In were, my day, Humphrey Bogart never had a beard. <laughs> and, listen here. Listen see, here. Shave your face, you butterball. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it. In early days, think about it. Any any James Bond with a beard, like no, that was oh. the thing. I think that was just if we if you're gonna pay the leading man any sexy, you want to see his face. I guess. But we're living in an age, a different age now. But you know, anyway, James I think, Bond is James Beard, and he hands out <laughs> awards for people who cook good. Cook good. Anyway, so I think a studio hand, <laughs> or a studio head, leaned over. <laughs> the, 
<laughs> there are a lot of studio hands, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he leaned towards the director. And during studio head, if you know that. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Fugitive film. Oh, yeah. Powering through. <laughs> I'm using my non-verbal How do you think you get that shaky camera effect? <laughs> hey, Trimble. But anyway, a studio head turned to the director when he finally shaves, and he goes, it's about time we see his face <laughs> during the screen test when the executives are seeing the movie for the first time. <laughs> they were so pissed that their leading man had a beard through the first half of the movie. God, imagine if you'd worn a t-shirt. That would have really thrown them Let's off. Let's keep, just keep talking before Phil launches into his, his epic rant against creatives and suits. The, this is really cool. The interrogation scene when they're like ramping up to frame him, right? No, they don't frame him. It feels like they're framing him, but they don't actually frame him. They're just really bad detectives anyway. The interrogation scene, uh, Harrison Ford did not want any preparation. He went in. All of his responses are improv. He didn't see the script. He just knew that he was walking in. He, he actually didn't even know how it was going to go. He didn't know where he was going to be falsely accused. So Harrison Ford wanted to completely improv that. So Love that it. whole scene. Wow. It's a good scene. I know his, his, uh, when he's like, you mean, you're, are you accusing me of killing Are you me? suggesting I killed my wife? Really good stuff. Um, this was originally a TV show. Did you, oh. Yeah, it, what, what just happened? There? Sorry, for a second I thought I was covering. Shut, your brain retired from podcasting <laughs> in the middle of that sentence. Yeah. I just had a brain synapse break from the fact that I haven't had. Somebody get this uh, man a cheeseburger. I, I haven't had cheese in three weeks, <laughs> and it's breaking my brain. I'm really sharp, but then I have moments where my body just shuts down. <laughs> it's like you need queso. <laughs> Wait, what was the beginning of that, Rando? Oh, uh, this was originally a TV show. Oh yeah, did, did you know this show was originally a TV show? <laughs> Go the end. I just and go. Then you just stopped. I went into the ether. I was like, oh my God, life is over. I forgot where you were. I You're just, like, oh my God, how long have I been here? It was like Stranger <laughs> Things. I just got sucked into the underworld. <laughs> Cue the walkout music. We're done. Uh, well, Kyle died. I'm yeah. crying. Um, was that a top five movie wars moment? That was one of my Well, favorites. not anymore because you asked. Kyle's so. in the, yeah, now that I've highlighted it. <laughs> you had to put it on the list. Not to mention, <laughs> damn it. Not Every to time mention, you list it, you ruin it. Not to mention, I, I just thought of this too. I quoted myself from an earlier episode. There's nothing worse than like yeah. highlighting your own quote. I remember about five episodes ago. I said this great thing. <laughs> it, was it was so fantastic. Good. Full of philosophical fucking shit. All the listeners like, I don't think I I could ever hang out with these guys. And a bunch of people stop listening. <laughs> it's all good. Fuck anyway, you. We don't need you anyway, bitch. But anyway, this was a this was a top-rated show between 1963 and 67. David Jansen, Barry Morse. It was described as a cat and, ma a cat and mouse game. Dr. Richard Kimball. Kimball was still his name. Wrongly convicted. Same story, except it was a show, and it was really highly rated. That sounds Boom. about right. So I didn't know that. They should remake that shit. Actually, yeah. I kind of thought that of that as a category, but because it was already done, I didn't put it on here. The train crash scene, this is amazing. They didn't have enough budget to do it more than one. So they didn't use a model. They used a real train. They had <laughs> no wonder they didn't have enough budget. Yeah, they used a real train. Jesus. You had to wonder if they would have gone with the model. Maybe they could have done a couple more takes. But they only could afford to do one scene because it crashes and it catches on fire and that's real. And so and they they were like, we've got to get this right. They had 27 cameras because they were like, wow. we're not missing anything. If we're gonna do this one time, we're not gonna miss an angle. What if and they, they had three wow. cameras and three more trains? Like, what if they didn't have 27 cameras? I know, just, Would that have freed up the funds to get more trains? <laughs> then this movie wouldn't yeah, I'm be sure called. That math checks out. Yeah, 100%. Then this this was right around the time when they, it was it was probably a toss-up, like, should we do this at a scale model, or should we do, yeah. like, the real thing? I mean, it's I crazy like early, to think. Like, two years earlier, they would have just done, like, a miniature model and filmed that. Well, it's crazy to think that, like, half of the Terminator Skynet scenes are all models. Like the, Right. I and mean, that was, what, 91? Something like that? Well, the first Terminator in the 84. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking I mean, T2. Star Wars is all models. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of models in T2 as well, yeah. I mean, so it's like, no, we're going all in on the train. That's the scene, and it pays off. It's a really cool scene, but if they get it wrong, it's like, oh, uh, we're screwed. Oh, yeah. Here's a rando. Do it. I texted the guys while I was watching it. Something like, do 
dudes, this had to be the reason that Tommy Lee Jones got U.S. Marshals. So I did a quick Google, and the first thing is, U.S. Marshals, a spinoff of The Fugitive. I was like, oh, it's literally a spinoff of The Fugitive. More Tommy Jones, baby. And last rando for the, that's actually a great segue, because they, they ended up making up a lot of the dialogue as they went. They had a script, but they, for some reason, like last minute, like Tommy Lee Jones wasn't loving how the script was flowing. So I think they said something like over half, like maybe 70% of these scenes are like just Tommy Lee Jones making it up on the spot. So that's amazing. Not necessarily improv because they had the script and they had reference material, but yeah. like they just didn't <clears throat> like the flow. And so because Andrew Davis had only worked with freaking Steven Seagal before, no experience. He was like, yeah, sure. Just make it up on the fly. And that's why Tommy Lee Jones is probably brilliant here. And that's why he's so funny. That whole chocolate donut with the sprinkles on top while you're thinking that whole quote, he totally just completely improv Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Brilliant. I love that. Enemy of the state, enemy of the randos. So they actually had NSA and intelligence people advising on this movie. That's kind of a bummer for me because it's kind of annoying, like Jack Black and all these guys, these comedic comedic actors playing mm-hmm. these guys. And there's a reason why they picked them, uh, you know, and I have a rando for that later, but basically they were, whenever they were doing research and these intelligence guys were talking to the film crew about casting, and they said, you would be surprised, but if you were to walk into a government intelligence agency, you think they're all older dudes, but they're like 20 to 30 year old geeks. And they're that's why they cast them because they mm. wanted people that looked like the real makeup of the NSA. Interesting. That was weird. It was. I feel like that made the movie feel newer to me. Because you watch The Fugitive and it feels super 90s, like mm, early 90s. Yeah. And then you watch Enemy of the State, you're like, oh, it's only five short years later. It's sort of the same era. Mm-hmm. But then you've got like Seth Green and Jack Black in it. It's like, whoa, this feels way too new. Like, what happened here? But they, it was super early in their career. I think my favorite thing was if you look at every scene Seth Green is in, it's just the same backdrop and van. I feel like Seth Green in that movie was just like, hey man, can you come in for an afternoon and just like say these lines really sarcastically in a van? He's like, fuck yeah, bro. In between shooting with Tom Green and shit. So he just comes in and does that. And He's dressed like an ops guy. Like, yeah, not surprised. He's, he's in the subway, guys. He's in the fucking subway. And he's like laughing about it like it's funny. I know. They add so much oomph to everything. Like, like these minor technological accomplishments. And even though they were not minor at the time, they are just exacerbating They're so proud it. proud of themselves. Yeah. Turn it 360. The yeah. bag scene kills me. It's like, hey, whoa, I can't really, we can't see it, but we can project it. We, yeah, spin it back. Do a 360. Do this algorithm. It's like, look at that shit. Shadow, is that a tape recorder? I don't know, is it? We got it! You, There's some shit in the bag. Move on. <laughs> Come on. We got it. And I, what did he way, drop in there? How balls. funny is it they did have all this technology and they didn't have the right camera angle to see if the thing is in the bag? I'm just, I'm just such a weird... Well, they were, the you whole, know, they were simulating the, the camera The whole angles. place where he was buying a top for his wife, like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. It's Victoria's secret secret. Is that a real thing? Like, I was so confused by that. Underground I mean, lingerie places. I just felt like, like, to me, that spoke to this, like, raunchy music video thing he was going for. It's like, yeah. He just had to find a way to work in like attractive women and stuff, and it just like that's kind of the thing in the nineties though. The weirdest thing ever. It really was. What was the thing in the nineties? Just like random women in lingerie and movies with no place for no reason. I don't know. It felt forced to me. I mean, it was forced. Yeah, there's not like a nine inch nail song in the background. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. It kind of felt Dang like seven. Through the ditches and burns. I'm telling you, it's Fincher karaoke. Yeah, it kind of is a Fincher knockoff. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, they were young because, but they had the, uh, they were, they had. What they, did you just say? Sorry, I was, they hired these. The women in the no, shop? No, going back. So they. Perky. 
Use so them. anyway, they use these. <laughs> they use these real brain synapses. Brain synapses. Brain. <laughs> Did you know it used to be a TV series? Get this man some cheese. I used to eat cheese. Did you get guys? this man a berry cow? I used to eat cheese. Did you guys know that? Anyway, they so they hired real intelligence consultants and they made millions of notes. That's I don't know if it was millions, but that's exactly what Tony Scott says in the commentary. They made millions of notes to help coach and try to make it look really authentic and make the technology authentic. Some of the scenes are actually filmed. So when you're seeing the surveillance footage, that's not post-doctoring. They actually film some scenes through surveillance cameras oh, to make cool. to give it the look. So that is kind of cool. The fuzzy aesthetic. They were actually using the surveillance equipment to film those scenes. So oh, that, that's wasn't, cool. that wasn't like post-doctoring. That. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Nice touch. It's all right. <laughs> Drew, Drew is so in on hating this movie. I love it. I'm Drew's like, just put some aluminum foil I am over. the enemy of the state. <laughs> You're yeah. the enemy. You're an enemy of the enemy of the state. The jar office that uh, Gene Hackman's character uses is a real concept. Those are actually the type of pods. That's how they design their offices. I don't think they're in old rusty buildings, but the idea of the copper and shielding radio waves and all that, that's a real concept that came from their consultation from these uh, these high-powered intelligence officials that are apparently retired and have time to talk to Tony Scott about Will Smith's so uh, dramatic performance. Basically, I'm just learning that Enemy of the State was way more realistic than we thought. At the time, it must have been. Except for the random guy with the truck who just happened to pull up to the dock with a camera filming God knows what about some shit about some birds and happened to see the murder. That's what? Some... A, a nature observation box? Those are real. Yeah, but that's some far-fetched nonsense. It was probably in the millions of notes. Not any more far-fetched than like a bus rolling down a hill for 13 miles and he still survived. Or, I don't know, jumping off a 3,000-foot dam and surviving. And Damn! Ja- and Jason Lee getting hit by a bus. <laughs> this is the last round. This is probably my favorite fact I found from both of these movies. Gene Hackman, apparently, he didn't go into details, but he had a very negative experience with the IRS. It was must have been a shakedown. And so he says he pulled all of his paranoia and his anger for his character, his anti-government sentiment and stuff from his real-life experience getting, I guess, getting audited. Wow. That's how he is in every movie. He's so know. crotchety. <laughs> I just realized we we did Hackman on the last podcast and Tony Scott. Yeah, we and some, we we're no, doing the threads these days. And yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, Men in Black. I yep. think we're doing Men in Black next week. Yeah. Yep. Men in Black for God, no. Independence Day. Shall we run from the war? Let's escape. Escape. I think that's good. Let's no, better surveil. Than anything I was going to say. Let's put cameras up in the lingerie shop and then make images of uh, that's illegal. shadow <laughs> tape recorders. <laughs> really that's a into- felony. Yeah. You know what I'm going to say next? <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> I'm trying to find new ways to Get the iPad. Right. Let's do. Should we do three or four? That's the question. Mm, who's the three? Well, I don't want to say because that's why I'm asking. Okay, do three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, we'll do the top two because this is really just two. Will Smith and Gene Hackman in Enemy of the State versus Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Kyle, what say you? <sighs> Fugitive. <laughs> just Tommy. And it, uh, I don't even care about the other three in both of these categories. Tommy Lee Jones is a comedian here. He's not a stand-up comedian by trade, but his timing, the fact that he improvises so much of it, and he, he does weave in some of that serious acting when he goes, I don't. Bargain. I just love that. I love how he leans in. Can you hear out of that ear? Come here. Uh, and he says the quote, and then he goes, did you hear that? And I just love how he's just like massaging it into this guy who just had his ear. Oh, his he's ear. very misogynist. Yeah, yeah, very. <laughs> he's very misogynist. This guy just has his eardrum blown up because a guy fired a gun next to his ear. He's like, can you hear this? <laughs> he's just 
so annoying in a good way. So I think Will Smith eventually becomes one of the greats. He's not great here. He's very much fighting his footing as a drama guy. You can't help but still laugh at him here. Um, so this is easy, The Fugitive. The Fugitive. Because Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones were better than Gene Hackman and Will Smith. It's that simple. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. And you probably work for the government. <laughs> yeah. Say whatever you want. You'll still be wrong. There will be yeah, wrong. Yeah, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is just, this is by far the most memorable part of either of these films. And it's perfect. I don't th I don't see how he improves upon this. Like his whole swag, he just has this swagger about him. Like he's so confident in who he is. And you like kind of hate him because he's so cocky, but you also like pull for him. Like I love that scene when he's like, I want every side road, back road, river, comp, whatever you just like shouting out orders like just taking control and just chewing up the scenery it was just so so good the fugitive no question so good one to zero right you gotta put up that eye package you gotta do that by supporting cast enemy of the state john voight uh -oh. took some time from the republican national convention to come and be an enemy of the state <laughs> yeah, lisa bonet regina king stuart wilson laura cowietti lauren dm scott con yes oh yeah he was and then I guess uh, Jack Black. Gary Busey's son is in this. Jake Busey, is that his name? his name? Man, wow. Jack Black made nothing on this movie. This must have been Jack Black and Seth Green. Seth, Seth Green. Seth Green's like first movie. Well, this is pre-Orange pre, uh, pre -Orange County. Orange County is where Jack Black. Man, that's true. It's a good yeah, movie. It's a when when movie. did Seth Green blow up? So, I think Seth Green was already on MTV at yeah, this point. Yeah, he was, he was already doing He's crazy not on Seth here. Green shit. Well, it's I probably because they filmed him, like I said, in an afternoon in a van. Wait, hold on. They're like, hey, Seth, can you come do this? for 50 bucks. They paid him with Hot Pockets. Yeah. I think, hold on. Why, was his, he had a different name then or something? Anyway, <laughs> The Fugitive, Cela right. Ward, Julianne Moore, Joe Panaliano, and then a bunch of other dudes. Ron Dean and I'll, I, I can go on this one. Uh, the two main guys in The Fugitive chewed up the scenery so much that I actually thought some of the better, more memorable moments from the supporting cast were Enemy of the State, even though like Jack Black and Seth Green were kind of goofy. Regina King was her, you know, Regina King self, like that we all know and love from so many films. John Voight was solid. The guy who played the senator who died five minutes in was solid. I always get these two guys too confused. Jason Lee, the fucker Bruce from Lee. Office Space. Ron Livingston? Yes, Ron Livingston. Yeah, I always get he and Jason Lee confused. Well, Jason Lee's in our favorite uh, Silent Bob movies. Remember Jay and Silent Bob? Yes. We're big Kevin Smith fans and he's in a lot of those. The supporting cast in that provided just a lot of color. It was like they all did their jobs. They showed up. They, and they were good. So for this one, I go with Enemy of the State just because the, the supporting cast just had more of a role in that movie. Yeah, I agree. They offered more to the script, and so there was more value there. I thought they were both kind of, both movies, I don't think the supporting cast was, there was no one that was irreplaceable. True. Was fine. Yeah, 100%. I feel like Celia Ward should, I feel like she should be in more movies. She seems like kind of like an A-plus star. Julianne Moore, it was kind of her pretty early in her career. Yeah, she doesn't offer a whole lot. Uh, yeah, enemy of the state. Not that it matters. I went to Fugitive, and there is for one reason, that is Joe Pantoliano. Joey Pants! He's fantastic. I loved him in The Matrix, and when I saw him pop up here, I was stoked. I just think him and Tommy Lee Jones' dynamic is amazing. Their comic timing, I thought they were hilarious. I'd literally just give it this. The thing with the enemy of the state is that, like, I am actually typically a John Voight fan, but I feel like once you get beyond Gene, 
mean, Hackman, everyone's kind of playing a pretty archetypal role. Like, what does John Voight say? Get me some military cutouts. I guess, is that a phraseology for get me some military guys that are not working anymore? Is that what that means? When he says, get me, he goes, get me some military cutouts. And Scott Kahn and Jake Busey could not just be more meat-heady. Meat-heady. And it's just so typical. I just was like, and Scott Kahn is funny. In Varsity Blues, like, I laugh the whole time because he's really funny. He's great in Entourage, too. Yeah, these these guys, after you kind of get into the movie, everyone's just kind of like playing it super straight and I didn't get a lot of dynamic. I think the dynamic between Tommy Lee Jones and Joe Pantoliano is so good, it's enough for win. But it doesn't matter. You guys both picked uh, Joe Pantalones into Enemy of the Shale here. It's tied at 1-1. One, one. Un, un. Best wardrobe changes. I love the thing about our escapees is they keep, they change into their boxers, they gotta get into their sweats, they gotta which wardrobe changes did you like the best during these escape routes? I'm gonna go with memorable again. To me, the Fugitive makes more memorable decisions. The shaving is, uh, that to me, that's a really iconic scene of him totally changing his appearance. Dyeing the hair, like, it just kind of walks you through what you would do. Like, you're like, yeah, I guess yep. that's what I would do and that's it. Like, it just sort of, he represents what every man running from the law would do and that feels memorable. I don't really remember a whole lot about what Will change into. Was he wearing, like, some white something or other running from, like, I don't know. His boxers and robe. Yeah. Which to me is the most visual remembrance, but. Um, and he dressed up as a janitor and the whole shade scene, you know, mm-hmm. he was cleaning the shades. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, when he's in prison, like think about all the uniforms and the yep, outfits. Yeah, the big coat, you know, and he's got, his doctor just gave him like four and a half thousand dollars to rent an apartment in Chicago mm-hmm. in cash. Uh, anyway, Nothing shady about side that. Side joke. Um, yeah. Fugitive. Filskis. Fugitive as well. Pretty much the same reasons. Yeah. The shaving scene, super memorable. I mean, he just kind of like cherry picks clothes too from like random places, doesn't he? He kind of like assembles a wardrobe. Something about that shaving scene, it's like he like comes to grips with the fact that he has to cut his beloved beard off. Look all Han Solo-y again. I go uh, the the fugitive. It's funny, I'm going the fugitive here too. I almost went enemy of the state because I think the most memorable thing for me is him running around in his boxers and bathrobe. I Actually, when I think of the movie, that's the first thing I think of is that, but I do love, and Drew, you kind of hit on this, there's a functionality to every, uh, Harrison Ford's wardrobe wardrobe changes like he's a doctor so he goes and finds a doctor's outfit and does doctor stuff but my favorite thing and this I don't know why I forgot to put this in the randos and it's so funny and stupid but you know remember when he's walking down and he's trying to avoid the cop after he shaves and he's wearing the doctor sweats and stuff yes. and that cop stops him and he says his fly is open Harrison Ford improv that and it was his idea he's like hey his fly should be open I was, I just thought it was really funny <laughs> that one of the greatest iconic actors of all time that his improv <clears throat> contribution to the script was like hey what if his fly is open <laughs> Han Solo hey it's a it's <laughs> That whole hallway scene when he's a, pretending to be a doctor, though, yeah. and the guy's like, hey, have you seen a guy about tall, dark, six foot, whatever? You seen anybody like that? He's like, every day in the mirror, pal. <laughs> Something like that. that. Was so it's like amazing. He was just like, he's going to figure it out. It's, like, it's so tense. It's I loved it. Really good. Really good. So I, I go Fugitive just because I think this wardrobe, and, and they actually, this is where they do a really good job in Enemy of the State. I love where they're pulling out the sensors and pulling out the tracking devices out of his watch. They did do a good callback on his watch when, uh, yeah. When uh, Jamie Kennedy early in the movie says, hey, what kind of watch is that? And he tells him. And Seth if, Green. No, this Jamie Kennedy, this is Jamie Kennedy doing this part. Oh, okay. It is, yeah. <laughs> oh. So yeah. they're both in the movie. They are both. Wow. Yeah, no, that's they are, That's why I said confusing. we were confusing because Jamie Kennedy is in the movie. He's one, they're both two of the guys. They're what two. a crazy experiment. Cra- <laughs> I know. Well, when the money's green. Yeah. Hey. But yeah, no, they're both, Seth. they're both two of the young intelligence technicians. They're both, that's why it's confusing. That's why I said you guys yeah, are confusing them. 
because they look alike and they're both in the movie. Did you yeah. guys think I was pulling that out of my head? What about Jamie Kennedy? No, you just yeah, didn't. You I just didn't draw the line. Something right they're out both of your... in the movie. And Jamie Kennedy's in the uh, in the top cast or in the in the top paid. Oh wow! Yeah, and Seth Green. That's why I was confused. I I do love how like they they talk about the watch and then later they make a replica of it and he puts it on. And I did think the wardrobe played a good part in Enemy of the State, but I still go fugitive here. It is two to one. Now the winner of this category is the least faulty, but I have to ask for comedic purposes this way: which was faultier, the technology used to predict the tape recorder in the bag, or the case that the detectives assembled against uh, Doctor Kimball? <laughs> What was more faulty? God, that's hard because both of like both were so flimsy that like that flimsy. was probably my, yeah that was the word I was and inefficient. <laughs> that was my only issue with the fugitive is they really built this guy up to be like a man of honor, a man of integrity. Nothing about his character pointed to him being a murderer of his own wife. There was no evidence other than that there wasn't evidence. Mm -hmm. So like that it was a really bizarrely flimsy case that the entire movie was built on. Yeah, but that doesn't they they, they could have yeah supported that a little yeah harder. like the only thing I did didn't buy about The Fugitive was how bullshit the case was. And how quickly it escalates. And it, it would have yeah. only taken like one scene for someone to be like, innocent until proven guilty. And then the, another character saying, no, but. And then presenting something that could make it a tangible case against him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think what they're trying to go for is she said his name. Someone's in the house. Richard. You know what I mean? Like that was like the last thing that, right? Richard yeah, Kimmel? no, you're yeah. right. I'm just nodding so my head like no the because last it's thing. so stupid. Yeah, it's like, but <laughs> it's it seems so like, really? Like that was the best, even you, even that idea, but written better could have worked. Yeah, wouldn't more. you call your lover's name if you were being killed and like, you're like your last name, like you would want help from is your lover. That just makes sense to me. It's like, oh, you would say your wife's name or your husband's name. Yeah. It just makes sense to me that I mean, you would but do if you're on the phone with 911, but yeah, she was uncommon. Like she was. Yeah, she's bleeding out yeah. and dying. So so yeah. brains firing. That's the other thing where I was like, this woman's bleeding out and dying and no one's over here saying like her neurons are firing and she's probably like her life's flashing before her eyes and she said her husband's name. That's not was, that hard of a case And there to was make. no real courtroom scene. It was just kind of like, he, boom, he was presented yeah, guilty and we're off. It was very and clear. Like, don't think serving. too much about this. We're, he's definitely innocent, but you know, he was presumed guilty. Yeah, you've Moving lived on. a crimeless life saving thousands of lives as a surgeon, but uh, go fuck yourself. Well, they make the they make her wealth the, the thing. That's yeah. what it is. Like, and from the thing that why it's not believable is I love Harrison Ford's improv, but from the moment the detectives sit him down, they're they're pushing him towards a guilty verdict. They're just like, wife, he's like, you make a lot of money, don't yeah, you? Yeah, why were they? Your wife makes more, doesn't she? What was stuck up their ass that day? The whole time. I was gonna say all that to say, <laughs> I still think that bullshit <laughs> yes. fucking camera thing in Enemy of the State was more flimsy because there that was a device in the '90s, and it's and when you look back, like I feel like for a minute it was cool. Like, can you enhance that? image and they like just all of a sudden make it super clear but like I, my thought would always be like why do you have to ask the technician to enhance the image like if he could get it there to see the license plate are you fucking reminding him like he's sitting there hey, like make it clearer yeah fucking around with the, the image from the security camera and there's like uh, en enhance enhance and I'm more hearkening back to like 24 with this shit because that was rampant it felt like Star 24 Trek. that was it the was first time I ever exposed yeah, 24 like, ever exposed they that. were just enhancing every image but like the guy at the computer had to be reminded like oh fuck I forgot we can enhance this benign, benign technological well, jargon do it yeah well my whole point is like I always think the banter back and forth like you've got this person who doesn't know anything about technology asking the tech guy to enhance things or spin the camera around and it's like if these guys are such geniuses they'd just be doing that and delivering the results without any words being said between them so I, I, anyway I just thought the whole stupid 3D imaging they of just... the bag thing was such bullshit now I feel like you could simulate that but like we have that 
tech to kind of be like, all right, you put it here. We can kind of figure out what it might have looked like had the camera been there. But the whole like, can you spin it around? And he's like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot I can do this. And like presses the arrow key and the camera just fucking flies around the bag. Like that was dumb. I remember just thinking, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> just move on. Yeah. To me, the whole plot of Enemy of the State is super weak. It is. <laughs> it's just like from dude happens to have a camera set up staring at a dock that happens like that's crazy and then like guy gets home and he's at, looking at the footage and he puts on a floppy and then is like bumps into the dude at, who's being like he's being chased and then he bumps into Will Smith who happens to drop it in a bag who's shopping for Christmas but he's at a lingerie shop like it's just like the whole thing and then there's like super scoping with the weird like leaning in hard to the tech angle of like scoping this bag like it was all just like what is happening so that's by far whatever I don't know who wins or loses or what but that one sucked the most yeah I can't I can't say it any better than both of you did the technology angle drove me insane <clears throat> and Drew you kind of just said something I was thinking but couldn't say out loud because I couldn't think of the way to say it the whole plot of the enemy of the state is built on that scene where he sneaks the thing in his bag it's just like you have this camera footage like you're telling me you didn't you can't go all the way and like figure out you, there's not ever a thought in your mind that maybe Dean has nothing to do with this like that he just happened to be standing there it's like it's really far-fetched and, and not in a way that's good I'm with you guys so that means the future would win because it's least flimsy but both have a couple of plot devices that are a little flimsy but fugitive gets a point here three two one best escape artist you know both of these guys and I thought earlier it's funny it's like we got a doctor a lawyer if there was another movie with a construction worker that's got to run away and one where a police officer run away we would have the YMCA of escape films you know so we got a doctor a lawyer not built to escape who is the better escape artist I think Harrison Ford you think so why because he's smarter than you that's right <laughs> good quote and he's smarter than me you know that just to harken back to that scene yeah, yeah. that guy ends up being the dick <laughs> Yeah, I think he's just, he's, to be able to think on his feet and be such a, like, he's not a conniving person. He's a good man. But to be able to think on his feet after being so wrongly accused, like, he does, like, I, I I think that's more impressive to me. What is Will Smith, like, is he even that smart? Is it really, he just, I just feel like the whole movie is just kind of like, the what? The who? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Like, it feels like it needed to be Keanu Reeves or someone that plays, like, the clueless thing a little more. Because Will Smith <laughs> is so, like, sharp and cunning Energetic. and charming and, like, he, just seems, he definitely screen. doesn't play dumb as he well. He doesn't play dumb. Yeah, because yeah, he's so, not dumb. Again, it just none of that works. So yeah. yeah, I'll go Fugitive. Uh, oddly enough, uh, I'm going to go Enemy of the State for a different reason. I think Will Smith had more advanced surveillance to overcome and he kept getting away. So he had little like tiny cameras built into smoke detectors and tracking devices and satellites and all kinds of shit to overcome and he kept getting away. Whether or not he meant to, he had some instinctual ability to slip like far more advanced technology and far more complete surveillance than uh, Harrison Ford, whereas Harrison Ford, I mean, he all but kept asking to get caught. He stayed in Chicago, like, and I know that was kind of like the point. He was trying to clear his name, but he was escaping in spite of himself, whereas Will Smith was just fucking escaping. I'll, I'll go Enema of the State here. Enema of the Great Blink-182 record. I actually went Enemy of the State, too, so here's the thing. It's very far-fetched that this lawyer who really has no skill set or expertise in physicality or escape is climbing these balconies and jumping from balcony to balcony in his boxers. But I don't want to be too hard in this movie because where
their enemy of the state has a weaker plot and some devices that really just don't make sense to me. He does do the Tony Scott thing where he assembles some really cool action scenes and all the scenes, the escapes, he like running like against the traffic in his boxers through the tunnel, the explosions, the, the building exploding after Gene Hackman self implodes it when they find it. Those scenes are the best parts of Enemy of the State. Mm-hmm. And I think if they fix the first half, the second half is awesome because the second half alone is really good and it's all centered around the escaping. So I do give it to that for that reason because I do want to give Tony Scott credit. Those action scenes are really good and the explosions are they really are. cool. Listen, I think it's serviceable what uh, Dr. Kimball does in The Fugitive, but he keeps helping people. Listen, just get out of here. Stop doing surgery and being charitable. Stop trying to save little injured children. Seriously, we're all going to die. So did you go enemy? I did. Wow, 3-2. 3-2, all of a sudden. So we have two categories left, so there's an opportunity here. There's There's an opportunity. And this is where it gets scary for the movies. It's all based on... Arbitrary fucking... (laughs) Whatever Kyle pulls out. Whatever comedic, stupid categories I come up with, especially now that I'm not eating dairy. (laughs) Who's older? Tommy Lee Jones! Oh, shit. (laughs) Who looks like they smoked more? They both look like they were born and are forever supposed to be like in their late 50s. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones was born looking like a baseball glove. that guy, yeah. And Hackman has looked about 60 for like 50 years. It's true. That's a that's a great point. That would have been a great category. But it would have been. Yeah, who looks like they were born really fucking old. Best Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you guys rather run from the marshals? Now put your guys in our protagonist shoes. Would you rather run from the NSA or would you rather run from Tommy Lee Jones' crew? So which government would you rather yeah. be running yeah, from? Government in early 90s or late 90s? Uh, I'd rather go low. I'd rather be running from the local government. Which one wins this category? Well, well U.S. Marshals are not local yeah, they're, government. They're, they're, that's right. They come in to take yeah, over. They're like the, federal police. And they're not very highly paid. They talk about them in the commentary. Really? That's so why so they, it's federal government either way. Which one wins this category? Uh, whoever you'd prefer to run from. Well, I have no choice <laughs> here. I don't like to go outside. So the, you would run from neither. You just stay in your house. Well, yeah, I know. But at least with the NSA, like, you know, it felt like Will Smith had apartment buildings. And yeah, I had to go outside sometimes. But for the most part, he was able to hang out. If I'm having to, like, survive, run through water, and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I, I have no choice here, but to go, I mean, there's a lot of like rivers, greenery in The Fugitive. No. I oh, don't, so I, you're talking about what movie would you rather be in running from? Well, I'm thinking, okay, taking this a step farther, it's not just about who you're escaping from, but the elements they had to deal with, too, I guess, is where I'm thinking. I'm thinking Harrison Ford had to run through tunnels of water, and he had to swim and do all this outside. He jumped into water. No! It's only because he stayed in Chicago. But that has nothing to do with who he's running from. Like, the U.S. Marshals didn't make him do that. They weren't like, now you must run through water to prove you were a yeah, true escape. It, but the organization would be more likely to chase people through the woods than the NSA, who has all these cameras and everything. I, I would rather run from the NSA. I think the NSA, NSA seems creepier. So I would rather run from the U.S. Marshals. Because the NSA yeah. knows more. I mean, they're the national security. If the agency. NSA were tracking Will, uh, Harrison Ford, he would have been busted way quicker. Yeah, and I they just, don't have drones. The U.S. Marshals, they're running around on rivers and shit. They have dogs. That's mm-hmm. about it. And yeah. in the commentary, they talk about the reason that they don't have uniforms is because they're underpaid. Like, they're actually real-life U.S. Marshals are very underpaid, so they don't even That's have... That's sad. I just Googled it, too. No wonder Do, shit doesn't, doesn't work. Doesn't just the words national... Doesn't that just look plain and scary? Like, you just read the words national security? Like, this seems like the worst name for an organization. It's like, we're the national security agency. Oh, it's agency? Yeah. I thought it was the National Security Administration. I said a bunch of wrong things because I haven't had No, but dairy. I mean, even before all that, I w- I've always thought it was administration. So you would rather run from the U.S. Marshals? Correct. Okay, what about you? Well, especially now learning that they're underfunded, I would absolutely want to <laughs> run from the U.S. 
Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, that little tidbit would help. everybody. That tidbit would help. They have less money. They have less shit to search for me with. I mean, the best they got is dogs, and they don't even have uniforms. I, know, I was going to say, would you rather run from a dog, or would you rather run from a freaking flying drone that can scope your shopping yeah. bags? But, Phil, they don't bargain. You they don't want to mess with someone who does bargain. They don't have to. I mean, I don't have to bargain with them if they can't find me. They'll run out of money about 10 steps in, so here we go. That's a pretty good conversation. We we'll definitely run from the U.S. Marshal, the underfunded, non-uniformed, sad U.S. Marshals. It is funny, like they just all the equipment and tech that happens in enemy of the state. And meanwhile, U.S. Marshals like he can barely get a chopper. On like the set scene. a fifteen-mile like, perimeter, deploy the animals. Like, how <laughs> long does it take to get a helicopter over here? Yeah, yeah. he's more afraid of his donut order getting well, fucked up. We have to, <laughs> like, we have that's to his borrow the helicopter from uh, News One in Chicago. Here's what a question: the Fuck, could Tommy Lee and Gene Hackman? trade roles. Ooh, I did Does have a swap work? category and I deleted it. I did a swap for all uh, for Will Smith and... Mm, I like to entertain those ideas. I do too. No. I actually think they could trade roles because they're both the sarcastic kind of older dudes. They'd both do that sarcastic dickhead yeah, thing I think it works for both. Really I don't well. know that either of them make the respective movies better though. Yeah. I think they're in the right spot. I, I think, think it's pretty... They could do both of those roles and it would still be enjoyable. Tommy Lee works better in the woods than he does around technology. I don't really think <laughs> him... I don't really picture Tommy Lee Jones understanding like cameras and al algorithm semantics. Uh, agreed. Him, yeah. uh, him describing that shit wouldn't work. But would he be able to mouth "fuck you" at Will Smith as good? That was underrated. And as, great. Uh, that was a great scene. In Pops the a piece of gum in his, or whatever. <clears throat> he's like, that was so. It, that was like how he cued Will Smith to know that like he was after him. Fugitive wins. Well, we only have we have one category left. Yes, fugitive Thank wins. God. But we gotta we gotta do this category. So here's the last question. It doesn't matter, but it's a fun one. Phil, kick us off. We would you rather Kimball be your doctor or would you rather Mr. Dean be your lawyer? Oh, Kimball's a saint, man. Yeah, he's like saving children when he should be running. Like the dude, he can't turn off the dutifulness. Mm -hmm. Great beard. You know that man would take care of you. He would make sure that the surgery was done right. I feel like he's a man of excellence and principle. And that's who I want cutting me open. Uh, to add on to that, I, exactly, I totally agree. And to add on to that, we don't know about Will Smith's character's integrity. We do know that he had an affair on his wife, which is suspect at best. Yeah, I know people make mistakes and it seemed like they kind of, that was water under the bridge. But, on Regina King, nonetheless. But at the same token, that's kind of all we know about his integrity. Yeah, I, I go the fugitive too here because they do a really good job. And like I said, if you take the second half of Enemy of the State and improve the first, it's a great movie. But there's no character building. Like, they do so many little things in The Fugitive to paint the picture that yes, this guy's in the run, but he's got a heart of gold. He wants to help people. He's a true doctor. He's innocent. And yeah. like, they do so many things to build his character. I, I just don't understand Dean. He's like, the first thing it does is like, you know what, send flowers to this person and send champagne, you know, for their loss or whatever. He's just off the right, right off the bat, he's just the scummy lawyer being real charming. But yeah, I go The Fugitive because you get a lot of character building. So it wouldn't matter. There is no redemption here. Five to two, The Fugitive doesn't narrowly escape any of the state. It runs away. Spiked fucking bat. Wide gap between them. There, There's no catching up here. I do think we are giving Enemy of the State harder marks than most. Yes. I think Enemy of the State is generally, was generally well-liked. It was. It was. But I think we're being way harder on it. Is it because Will Smith slapped one of the greatest living comedians? No, it has nothing to do no. with it. And then allowed. Definitely not. Because it didn't even occur to me the entire watch. Yeah. It I, did to me. All I could think about. And because of that, some guy tackled and tried to kill Dave Chappelle like two weeks later. I mean. I mean, it, I'm not going to lie. Like, What well, does that have to do with anything? Will Smith set the tone. It's okay to attack comedians. What, is, what does that have to do with Enemy of the State in 1998? Well, first they go for the good comedians and then they come after the failed comedians. <laughs> when they're all done yeah. killing the 
the rock And then stars. you're going to be running. You're yeah. not going to be running. They're going to come after the sucky hey, ones. Hey, maybe they'll make a better movie after your life. They will. <laughs> That's a good way to end it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we need to escape into another jar of old-fashioned. We got a football game to watch. I have. A jar. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a Fuente to smoke. Old-fashioned by the jar. I haven't been bargaining with you. This is Kyle. This is Drew. And this is Philip K. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't bargain. Love you. Ooh.